All right, in the uh, book of Genesis, uh, chapter number 25 and verse 26, and then we'll turn over to uh, chapter number uh, 32 and verse number uh, 24. I, I want to begin tonight preaching on the life of Jacob. I really don't know how much you know about him, uh, and I'm going to take for granted that maybe you know a little bit as we make an application tonight. Uh, and delve more into it uh, tomorrow night. But uh, <clears throat> I want to look at this man's life. If I had a title for all of the series of messages on Jacob, I, I guess I would call it the, uh, the Doctrine of Jacobism. Really, if you bring Jacob's doctrine down to a nutshell, it is the doctrine of uh, being blessed or desiring to be blessed at whatever cost and at everybody else's expense. Uh, we always associate desiring a blessing to the spiritual side of life, but there is a carnal side to even wanting to be blessed. And Jacob wanted God's blessings. I mean, you can commend him for that, but it's the way he went after them at everybody else's expense. And I don't know about you, and I'm confessing for myself tonight, of all the doctrines that I profess, I believe I practice this one the most, and it really bothers me. As I study the life of Jacob, it seems like I'm more like him than any other character of the Bible, except maybe Simon Peter. And uh, that sort of that reflection sort of hurts. It reminds me of the old farmer that was plowing one day back before they had mirrors, and he plowed up a brass mirror, and he looked into that thing, and he thought it was a picture of his daddy. And so he took it back into the house and put it in a drawer for keepsake. And his wife saw him slide it in there, thought he was hiding something. And when he got out, she went in and pulled it out. And she hadn't seen a, 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 a brass mirror before, so she held it up and looked at it. And she said, so that's that old hag he's been running after. <laughs> Sometimes our reflections hurt us, don't they? Uh, they don't feel good. But we have to be honest, and as I look into the Word of God, I see some reflections from Jacob that uh, reminds me of myself. But let's, uh, let's read uh, these uh, verses tonight together. And uh, I want to preach tonight on what I call Jacob's squeeze. And so let's look at these verses. The Bible said, After that came, out his, bro- came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob. And then in chapter number 32, verse 24, Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. And he wrestled with him, and he said, I want you to notice these next three words, my emphasis, let me go. I uh, was thinking about many times, or almost every time, in a crime scene, when someone has committed a crime, one of the first things the investigators will do is they'll take a solution and they'll begin to dust the different places, specific places and areas where they think uh, whoever committed this crime may have put their hands. 
that they can come up with some fingerprints to prosecute whoever created this crime. When I think about Jacob, it seems to me that his fingerprints are all over everything in his life. Because he was a man who could not help gripping and clutching and holding on to everything that he thought might determine the outcome of his life and might bring a blessing in his direction. He would have his hands upon it. It's indicated at his birth and then also here, 93 years later, as an older man, as he wrestles with this angel. When he comes into this world, he comes in holding tightly the heel of his brother Esau. That's why they called him Jacob. It means, the word means, heel catcher. It indicates uh, one who would trip you up, one who would trick you, one who would try to get out in front of you for his own advantage. This was the beginning of his life. But yet when we come all the way over to chapter number 32, we find nothing has changed about him. He's got a full Nelson on an angel. I mean, a scissors hold that the angel can't get loose from. (laughs) He is a man that has a grip. He is holding. But he has went through his whole entire life like this. Everything that he came to, whether it was his brother's heel, he would grip it. Or even a bowl of soup, he would grip it. His uncle Laban and everything up there, he would grip it. He was a man that would clutch. He was a man that would hold on to. He was a man that would not turn loose. He was a man that was always squeezing and choking down every situation that he came into. Because he was going to determine the outcome if he could. And it is here on this night that the angel of the Lord tells him what I think many people have tried to tell him before. But he just didn't get it. The angel of the Lord finally looks at him and says, Jacob, turn me loose. (laughs) I think Esau wanted to say that a lot. No doubt his daddy wanted to say that. I know Laban wanted to say it a lot. Turn me loose! And I want to say to you tonight that there are some things in our lives that God wants us to let go of. He wants us to loosen our grip. He wants us to release. He wants us to turn over to Him. If I had a secondary title for the sermon tonight, for Jacob, for me, because I see it in myself so often, and for you, young and old, we all have this problem. It is the nature of man to try to hold on to some things. 
I would say unto you, as the angel of the Lord said unto Jacob, Let go and let God. Now, I want us to look on this night in Genesis chapter number 32. I want us to look at some things that Jacob is going to have to let go of. And we will illustrate them and then come to a conclusion. On this night, I think Jacob is going to have to realize, this angel is going to emphasize to him, that first of all, Jacob is going to have to let go And I want to emphasize this and make application to your heart. We too must let go, notice this, of the things you can do. Letting go of the things you can do. The greatest difficulties in life are the things that we can do But if we do them, they're going to create a mess. The great problem in Jacob's life was not that he couldn't do on many accounts. He could do, but every time he did do, there was trouble at hand. Now, you think about it with me tonight. The areas of life. And and here, I I want to focus on the family. I'm talking about Jacob's family. And it goes far beyond that, but we can begin with the family and work our way outward. Jacob's family, many of the experiences that we go through, many of the trials and troubles and battles and struggles come by way of family connections, do they not? You think about the trials that you've had to face, the burdens you've had to bear. You think about the conflicts that have arisen. Many of them, many of them, and maybe most of them in your life have had a family connection in one way or another. It was true in Jacob's life, and it seems to be true in most of our lives. But if there's anywhere in your life that you might think that you could have a little bit of control, And maybe you could take charge, at least maybe it should be in your family. But it is in in the midst of your family where you think you should have at least a little say-so that God has to teach you from that center point that you're going to have to let God have the things that you can do. Now, look at... Look at Jacob's life. There are some things he can do. He's in charge of a bowl of soup. If he wants to, he can sell it, can he? He can do that. He can take advantage of a blind father if he wants to. He can do that, can he? Isaac doesn't know the difference. And he can also, and we've never figured that out, determine the color of the cattle that belong to his uncle Laban. He can do that. Well, what is the outcome of all of those things that he did do? It brought trouble to his heart and to his life. I illustrate that by using his very own son 
Joseph. And it may be because he may have later on talked to his son Joseph and said, Joseph, boy, I'm just going to tell you one thing. (laughs) You're going to have to let God have control of what you can do when it comes to your family. You know, I don't think, of, of Joseph's life, I think that the most difficult years were not the years of which he was a servant under Potiphar, nor the two years that he was in prison, though they were tough. He certainly had given them to God. He said God meant it for good. But I think it was the nine years of which he was prime minister in Egypt. That, to me, would have been the most difficult part. The reason being was, all the power and authority of Egypt, the greatest nation on earth, was laid in his lap. He was in charge of all the armies and all the forces that were there, the economy, the educational... He was was the man in Egypt. And if you'll read about his response when his brothers come down to him, he he still has a heart of love, not revenge, for his brothers. He has a heart of love for them. And he desperately wants to see his father. He loves his father as his father loves him. And can you imagine nine long years as a ruler in the land of Egypt with all of this authority, how many days that his heart ached to see his father, that he could have said to his his general or his leader, I want you to go to Canaan, There is a family up there of 11 sons and a father. And I want you to take them by, if if you have to, by force. And I want you to bring them to Egypt to me. He could have done that. But had he have done that, I want you to know, his brothers wouldn't have been ready to see him. Because God hadn't worked repentance in their heart, the timing would have been off. God wouldn't have been ready for that situation. It would not have been His will. And Joseph would not have known how to respond or deal with the situation. Everything would have been out of culture. And so therefore, he allowed God to do what he himself could have tried to do. And I'm going to tell you something. Here's the emphasis. There are a lot of things that we can do. There are a lot of things that we can say. Or you you can tell that person what you want to tell them. But I'm going to ask you something. Did the Lord tell you to tell them that? Hmm? There are many things that you can do in in the family or or on the job or or in many areas of your life. Or you say, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do, yes. And you may be able to do that. But you may be very sorry that you did do that. And so what you have to do is take your abilities, the things that you can do, and make sure... Make sure that they are in the hands of God and He is the determinant factor. You must let go and let God have what you can do. Because just because you can do it, it does not make it right. Just because He could sell a bowl of soup for a bird, just because He could outwit His Father, just because He could steal those, just because He could do it, didn't make it right. 
Just because you can, somebody said, well, I, I, a young lady said, well, I'll just tell everyone, I can get married if I want to. Yeah, well, you can. But you better let God have that. You better let God have that. Oh, I'll just tell you right now, I'll just do what I want to do. Oh, maybe you can. But there's trouble brewing if you do it. Jacob has to learn on this night that he's going to, from this day forward, have to let God have the things he could do. Release them. Release them. Before you make your decision, before you become the determinant factor, say, oh God, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do anything that you haven't orchestrated and ordained. I want you to be in charge of it. I have, uh, it's in, in the book that I mentioned there, my eldest daughter was in a, to us, a devastating situation. And in my heart, I, I promise you, I had determined that I was going to do some things that I could do about that. Heart was so grieved. And I can remember on a Sunday morning, a preacher came by to visit us who was a pastor of another church. And he said to me that morning when he showed up, he knew nothing about my situation. He said, Brother Dana, I don't know why, but he said I, we were uh, over in such and such a place vacationing for about three days and said, I never leave my church, but I told my wife, I, I just felt like I needed to come by here this morning. And so I came by. He'd never been there before. We went through the service. After the service, we sat down to eat. We just began to communicate. And, of course, I, I began to talk about where I was. It just came out of me. I, I couldn't help it. And come to find out, he had just come from where I was at. <laughs> he had been through a similar situation. Yeah. And he looked across the table at me, not knowing what was going on in my mind. And he said, Preacher, just let me tell you some things you don't need to do. And he began to tell me exactly what I'd made up my mind to do. <laughs> and when he left, I said, Thank you, Holy Ghost. I made a big mess out of that. And only God knows where that situation would be in this hour had He not stopped me from doing what I thought I could do. There's no question about some things you can do. We're not arguing about your abilities in certain areas of your life. But what we want to know is, have you released those abilities of God and said, Lord, I want you to be in charge of the decisions in this matter. I refuse to be involved in it. I refuse to call my brethren back. I refuse to take charge of that. I refuse to put my hands on it. I do not want my fingerprints. They have not been on it thus far, Joseph would say, and they will not be on it in the end. And you can see how God brought and orchestrated the family back together. All because Joseph didn't grip it. You must let go and let God have the things you can do. Secondly, I want you to notice with me tonight, I'm talking about his squeeze. Oh, Jacob, he loves to squeeze things. He loves to put his hands on them and hold them. He loves to try to determine the outcome. The second thing I want you to notice is I believe that Jacob on this night is not only going to have to let go and let God have the things he could do, his family, 
But he's going to have to let go and let God have the things he could not do. And here we reach into the realm of our failures. <laughs> you see, the truth of the matter is, you've already tried some things, haven't you? You've already pushed some of those buttons. You've already pulled some of those levers and pressed some of those pedals in your life. You've already tried to operate some things. And what happened? Total failure. Why? Because God made it so. He didn't want you to succeed. The worst thing that could ever happen in your life is for you to accomplish what you think that you have the ability to accomplish. God must let you know that this thing is not in your hands. And so therefore, He will, he will bring you to failure. I, uh, I think about it here in, in Jacob's life, and then I, I'll illustrate it. I mean, he's grabbed Jacob, he's grabbed Esau's heel. Somebody said, why is he doing that? Because early on in his birth, he, he's wanting to determine the outcome of who's born first. Isn't that amazing how that nature can take over so early? Sure. Yeah, well, I don't believe that. Well, you read the Scripture. The Bible said they fought in the womb. Sure. It's fighting before they got out. You had fight in you, honey, before you was ever born. <laughs> One preacher said he had the, some kids out there, his whole family of them together, and he he asked him. He said, "Which one of you did Mom and Daddy have to teach to be mean?" He said, "None of us. You don't have to teach anybody to be mean. <laughs> that sort of comes natural. <laughs> teach them to be good." <laughs> And old Jacob came out with a, a, a death grip on his brother. He's trying to pull, he's trying to suck him back in so he can come out first. And don't look at me like you're innocent. How many areas in our lives have we tried to get out in front? That's why Jesus always had to say, get to the back. I'll take you to the front. Go to the bottom. I'll take you to the top. What are you trying to do? Run this thing? If you do, you're going to fail. Get your hands off of that. Preach it, brother. Yeah. <laughs> you remember Moses, trained in all the skills and wisdom of the land of Egypt. So much so that the Bible said he supposed that he would deliver Israel. And it doesn't sound like he needs a lot of help from God. Because he sets out on his own, doesn't he? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Hmm? He ain't even praying about it. Man, man, I've been taught like I've been taught and trained like I've trained. Well, you I ain't got time for prayer. <laughs> Ends up in total failure. He's on the backside of the desert. <laughs> oh, boy. He had a grip on her, all right. God took care of that. You see, Moses' life was laid out in three areas. He began with the I can. He said, well, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Not only did the Egyptians get after him, his own people rejected him. He's on the backside of the desert. And you know what he's saying over there? I can't, I can't. Don't ask me, I can't. <laughs> he wanted to forget everything that had caused him all of that misery. Thank God for the times when God brings us to the place to where we know we can really accomplish what needs to be done. Sure, yes. 
And the Lord said to him, Moses, it ain't about I can and I can't. It's about I am. And children, I'm here to tell you, it's about the I am in our lives. But the only way I am is going to be able to work in our lives is in the case of Moses we, and in the case of Joseph. We not only have to turn over to him the things that we can do, we have to turn over to him the things that we cannot do. The failures and the messes that we've already created, we have to say, Oh God, can you handle this? Well, you see, really, there's some things you can't do. Jacob had no power over... God never asked him who, if he wanted to be born first or not. He had no power over the decision of who was born first. He had no, he had no uh, influence over who his daddy was going to love the most. I noticed back in chapter number uh, 25. The Bible tells us that his daddy loved Esau more than he loved him. Have you read that? Look back there. You're looking at me like you don't believe it. I want you to see that. Verse 28 of chapter 25. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of the venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. <laughs> Isaac sort of favors Esau, but Jacob can't. There's nothing he can do about that. When it's all said and done, he is a total failure because if you look in verse number 26, he is asking for what? He said, I'm not let you go unless you what? Well, I thought you got that through Isaac. I thought when you went in and took advantage of him, poor blind daddy, and he put his hand on it, I thought, I thought you got that there. Huh? No, he doesn't feel like he succeeded in anything. <laughs> he has failed. <laughs> he has failed. I'm emphasizing, listen, young people, early on in life, if you'll just let these hands become like this, not this. And let God have the things you can do and let God have the things you cannot do. That's right. Thirdly, I want you to notice with me how Jacob on this night when the angel of the Lord said unto him, Let me go! He's saying to him, Let go! Let God have the things you can do, the things you can do, but let go and let God have the things you are doing! <laughs> Do you know why Jacob is here on this night? If you look back in verse number 9, it tells us why Jacob is here on this night. For the first time in poor old Jacob's life, he's in the will of God. For the first time, he's somewhere where he didn't decide to be, but God told him to go. For the first time! Oh, Jacob's finally letting God have his way on something. Look at it. And Jacob said, Oh, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, the Lord which says to me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I'll be well with thee. <laughs> God come to Jacob and said, Jacob, boy, would you just do my bidding and go where I tell you to go? 
And here we find him in this text. He's uploaded, he's brought, uprooted, brought everything, and here he comes all the way here to this night. But guess who's coming to meet him? Look at it in verse number 11, how he, how he feels about it. He said, Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother Esau, from the, for I fear him. Thank God for the best time of my life. I mean, you're well doing what you want me to, and I'm looking right straight in the face of death. See, the last time he heard of Esau, his mom had done told him, and Esau spread it about one of them here. He said, I, after daddy dies, I'll kill that boy. I've had the last of him. I'm not putting up with that no more hatred in his heart. And the old Jacob has no idea that anything's changed at all. <laughs> And he's out there with his, now he's got his wives and he's got his children and he's got his family. It's not only his life that's at stake. That night he begins to even divide up his family and, and everything. He's expecting for Esau to come as those Arabs do, those people over there. Would somebody say amen where we're at? And I mean, got rid of, I mean, Beck, he's the coming! Those type of people show no mercy. <laughs> and Jacob said, Lord... I was safe over there. But you told me to come over here. And now that I'm over here doing what you want me to do, he's coming. I can't reconcile that. I mean, you will, and I'm in trouble. <laughs> you ever felt that way? Wanting to do the Lord's will, desiring to serve the Lord, but yet coming to those places in your life to where you're saying, God, how in the world did this come to pass? You know what he's saying? You just let go and let God have what you are doing. If you're doing what God told you to do and you're where He wants you to want wants you to be, and you know that, He will take care of the outcome of everything else, but He wants you to trust Him, therefore He's going to try you in that manner. If you're working where He wants you to work, if you're attending church where He wants you. If you, I mean, if you're doing what God wants you to do in those areas, blue million areas of your life, I'm going to tell you there will come temptations, there will come trials, but He's going to teach you that you're going to have to trust Him even in what you are doing. But it'll not all be days of sunshine. There will be some heartaches. There will be some times of trouble. There will be some burdens to bear. But when those things come, don't do this. So I'm going to get ready for old Esau. He's coming. I'll give you one thing. If he didn't whip me before, he ain't going to whip me now. If I have to, I'll fight my way out of this. I'll put a knot on old Esau's head. He'll have to climb a ladder and scratch it. I mean, him's going after it. But isn't that the way we do it? Huh? Yeah. Those things that come into our lives, boy, when the, we want to do this. <laughs> of course, I notice all these saints in here tonight. You've never felt like that, Harry. Hmm? I'll get a hold of him. I'll fix this situation. No, you're where you ought to be. Don't do that. Do this. And say, Lord, these souls are coming. And I, I know, I know all, I know what involved the past, but I'm gonna let you have him. Boy, isn't it amazing what God can do if we'll release? 
letting go and letting God have what we can do, what we can't do, and what we are doing. You know, don't you get all flared up about those things. Jump the rail and decide you're going to do something. Mm-mm. Just back off. You heard the word, it's coming. And just open your hand and say, Lord, you know what's fixing to transpire, and I'm just going to get out of this thing now, and I'll, I'll just let you have it. And then, let me uh, close with this thought. I, I think this is what Jacob's whole uh, struggle is about. I, I want you to notice that, that Jacob is going to have to let go and let God have his uh, what, what he can do. He's going to have to let God have what he can't do. He's going to have to let God have what he is doing. I'm talking about his faith, his, his failures, and his family. He's going to have to give all that to God. Uh, but I point out to you lastly that Jacob's going to have to let go and let God have what he will do. So much in the Scriptures Jesus deals with has to do with our worrying over our tomorrows. He gives the illustration of the lilies. He gives the illustration of the sparrows. And he keeps saying to us, take no thought of tomorrow. Take no thought of how you'll clothe yourself or what you're going to eat. Don't even have to take any thought of what you're going to have to say when the persecutors come. He said, I just want you to know, i got all the bases out there. Where you've never been, I've already been. I've got it taken care of. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we shouldn't plan ahead. I'm not, I'm not against Social Security and retirement and all those things, but I am against this. I'll tell you one thing, I just can't afford to tithe. I've got, I got to worry about what's, how I'm going to take care of myself in the future. Don't, don't put God in a clamp. Don't refuse to do what God wants you to do because you're worried about what's going to happen in the future in your life, and maybe God's not able to take care of you. He's able to take care of you. He promised He would. But Jacob comes out of the womb worried about the future. When they pick up on him early on, he's struggling, trying to beat poor old Esau, selling him a bowl of soup. A cheap bowl of soup, no doubt. For a birthright. And then beating it, lying to his daddy and all of those other things. What he's trying to do is trying to control his future. He wants that blessing and involved in that blessing is not only the pouring out of God uh, upon him, but it, it involves the entirety of the inheritance. In those days, if you were the firstborn, you got the bulk of the inheritance and all the other children got a gift. He didn't want a gift. He said, I can't live off a gift. I want the whole thing. <laughs> so he wheeled and dealed and bought and, and lied and cheated and stole and did everything he could do to make sure come retirement he's in good shape. You know, when, he, when we come to him in, at 93 years old, he has got quite a bit. But on the inside, he's never got the one thing that he's wanted. And that's the blessing. He's still empty. Still empty. Let go tonight. Young lady, let go of that boy. And let God. Young man, let go of that girl. And let God. Sir, let go of that anger and bitterness. And let God. 
Let go of that malice and let God. Let go of that person that's agitating. And let God. Let go of those children. Nothing will drive you any more crazy than the ones you love the most. They'll run you insane. <laughs> and it ain't funny. They're pulling and you're jerking. They're pulling and you're jerking. They're pulling and you're jerking. And you'll never get any release and relax until you say, Lord, not only am I yours, they're yours. And I'm going to quit trying to do what I want to do with them. I'm going to listen for your voice. And I'll operate under your auspices and authority. <laughs> What is it tonight that God's been trying to tell you to let go? Yes. Let me give you two or three illustrations. I close. I illustrated this in this way. I told the young people, this was a youth meeting. I said, take your hand, your strong hand, and hold it up and squeeze it as tight as you can until I tell you to turn it loose. We'll find out who's the strongest. Well, you know how kids are. Son, is holding. You can see the whites of their knuckles. I let them hold it there. I said, be sure and hold it there. Be sure and hold it there. And I went and slowly read the text. While they were squeezing. Then I slowly made my comments while they were squeezing. I could hear a grunt every now and then. Mm. Have you ever tried to hold your fist as tight as you can for five minutes? Matter of fact, if you hold it that way long enough, it'll lock up on you. It'll be hard for you to open it. You won't hardly be able to open it. You'll almost have to take and try to pry it open and shake it around, get some blood flowing, and get that thing limber again. And finally, I said to him, I said, now go ahead and open your hands. And I could hear the sighs. <laughs> Why? Because they had bound that hand up. And see, the truth of the matter is, you can't do anything in life as long as you've got a grip on something. These hands are no good for anything else. Your heart will be no good for anything else as long as it has a hold on something. It'll cramp on you in the middle of the night and wake you up. Arthritis will set in. Won't be able to do another thing. Every time people get around, that's the way you're going to look. Can't do nothing. Can't do nothing. Absolutely nothing. Have you ever been there when you got locked up in one thing and you couldn't do nothing? Right. Yes, sir, brother. That's good. Boy, how it hurt. Matter of fact, this will hurt you more than it will anybody else. Jacob thinks he's hurting everybody else. He ain't doing nothing but getting, causing cramps for himself. Until finally on this night, he, he has to learn to turn that thing loose. And, ooh, how blessed that is. Now, won't you do that? My goodness. It's just a whole lot can be accomplished. <laughs> Didn't you know... You can't even praise God like this. can't worship. You can't worship like this. I've never seen anybody go. That ain't worship. Come in mad at somebody. Come in trying to control some things. Heart filled with bitterness. Even though you may think you're right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> no, he ain't interested in that. 
when you turn all that stuff loose and those hands can raise an adoration. <laughs> and then you can worship. How did Jesus die on the cross? Like this. <laughs> Giving it back to the Father. Turning loose. Letting go and letting God. Taking your hands off of it. And I don't know about you, but the longer I live, the less I want my fingerprints upon anything because everything it gets on it causes a mess. Yes, right. And I thought about that in the book of Daniel where the Bible said concerning that great stone, said it's cut out of the mountains without what? Honey, there's some things you don't have to touch. God Almighty will take care of it and it won't need your fingerprints on it. But most of them, all the messes in our lives are messes because our fingerprints are on them. Our grip has been there. It's an indication we've touched it. And God's saying, turn it loose, turn it loose. You know, they tell me that you can take a monkey and a jar, just big enough for that monkey to get his hand in it, and run his hand in there and pull it out. Run his hand in there and pull it out. But if you take an object that he's curious about, such as a golf ball or something like that, and put it in there, to where if he puts his hand in there and grips that golf ball... He can't get it out. He can't get it out. It's only enough room for his hand if it's empty, but if he's got something in his hand, won't get Did you know they tell me that that monkey will never turn that golf ball loose? And the only way that you'll get his hand out of that, you'll either have to put him to sleep or break the jar. And that's about where Jacob's at. <laughs> God's fixing to break the jar. And I'm here to tell you tonight, God has to bring us to the place where He has to break the jar. Because He knows He'll never be able to do anything in our lives or through our lives until He gets us over this matter and He causes us to release and to trust Him in the issues of life totally. Because what you're doing is just hurting you. It's choking you down. I want to tell you about my first and only experience of water skiing. And my last experience. As you can see, I'm not built for that. Or something's wrong. <laughs> I haven't figured it out. But a preacher friend of mine, had, he, he got a boat and he pulls his kids around and everything. We went to spend a Saturday with him. He said, preacher, you can do that. It's easy. I said, easy, I see. Put this jacket on and get in the water and then put them skis on and hold on to this bar. This rope goes to that boat and said, I'll pull you. And I don't know what, how fast, 25, 35 miles an hour. I said, you just pull yourself right up out of that water. It's fun. I said, well, I like fun. And so I got in the water, I put it on, I laid back, and I got a hold of that thing. Do you know how water going up your nose at 35 miles an hour feels? <laughs> I don't know how many miles we went, but I just wasn't going nowhere. And it was just cleaning my sinuses out. 
<laughs> it's burning me up, buddy. <laughs> I was holding on that bar, though. <laughs> Finally, I said, I'm coming out of this one way or the other. I got to. I don't know how I did it, but with all my might, I pulled. And oh, I felt myself coming up. There's some relief. And Lord, I come up out of that thing. And I went. <laughs> I smacked my body down. Just, <laughs> they didn't tell me it'd pull you over. I thought you, after you got up, I mean, I didn't know. I just, ooh, I didn't get up. I went, ooh, then a major thing they didn't tell me. Turn loose of that bar. <laughs> I wasn't going to let that boat leave me behind. I <laughs> on that bar. <laughs> it didn't take me long to figure that. I was going to scrape bottom. I didn't know how far it was down there, but I was going down. I wasn't coming up. Daylight was disappearing. And finally I said, I better turn loose. <laughs> this not, whatever was supposed to happen now, this ain't working. <laughs> and I turned loose and had to swim fast to the top to get some oxygen. I'm going to tell you something, if I hadn't turned loose to that bar, I'd have stayed on the bottom. They'd have to come down and got me. But I'd have been dead. And I'll tell you, there's some things in life if you don't turn them loose, they're going to hurt you. They're going to make you miserable. And the sad thing about it is it can last a long time. This man's 93 years old. And he ain't yet learned to do this. Let God have that person. Let God have that. Let God. Don't put your fingerprints on it. Now, he may come and tell you something to do. That's fine. But outside of that, let your prayer be, Lord. I just want you to have your will in my life. I don't want to touch it. Let go. Just let go. Just let go. You said, Preacher, but it's eating. That's why it's eating you up. Let go. And let God. Let's stand.